Father, open our hearts today and speak to us, Lord. You've been unfolding so many things from the book of James, and we're just delighted, God, at what you're doing. I just pray this morning that you would give us ears to hear and a heart to understand what you're saying to us. Lord, you're speaking to us about temptation. I just pray that you would strengthen us and encourage us in our battle against sin. Help us to stand firm in the truth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. How many of you know that God never promised us a life without trial? Hater, I like what you said. Sometimes when we come to the Lord, it doesn't make life easier. It makes us depend more on the Lord. But it, we, we face, some people think that when they accept Jesus, all their problems are going to go away. Is that in the Bible anywhere? Okay, sometimes when you commit your life to Christ, you feel like a salmon. You're swimming one way, and all of a sudden, the rest of the world is going the other way. In verse 13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Is God the one who tempts us? He may allow us to be tested, but he doesn't tempt us. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So how can we resist temptation? Do you know that God has given us tools to resist temptation? He makes it very clear in his word. And I'm going to borrow, we, we're kind of departing from James here. We're going to look at some other scriptures. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, run from sexual sin. So what do you do when you're tempted with sexual temptation? Run. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And I love the New Living Translation. It's straight out there. But we need to know something. It's not just enough to run from temptation. You have to run to something. You run from temptation, but where do you run? You run to God. Let me tell you that I grew up in a church that was very, uh, it was good in some ways. There was a lot of gospel being preached, but there was also a river of legalism kind of running through our church. It was not a pure river. Legalism is different than holiness. How many of you know that? Okay, holiness is becoming like God and his character. People ask me, how do you define holiness? It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness. It's reproducing the character of God and obedience in our life. But legalism is this idea that somehow we have the power to change our own lives. And how many of you know that doesn't go very far? You can try to do it on your own and you can try to gut it out and you're not going to make it. You need to run from temptation, but you need to run into the arms of God. I'm going to be very honest with you in the struggles and I've struggled throughout my life now. It's been over. It's been many years, as Nicole pointed out. That's okay. You're fine. I even forget how many years because I'm forgetting things now, you know. But, you know, is, is I still remember as a young Christian, I remember for a while, I said, every time I get tempted, I'm going to drop to my knees, which became very inconvenient in public places. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. There were times where, you know, you're in the battle and you say, I have to be obedient. But can I tell you that feeling guilty about stuff is not what motivated me to stop sinning in certain areas of my life? 
And it wasn't legalism that gave me the power to overcome. Do you know what it really was? It was the day that I realized that when I sinned, I was breaking God's heart. And I thought to myself, how could I break the heart of the one that I love? How could I grieve the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me and the God who has done so much for me? The same thing is true in my relationship with Janice. You know, when I think about my covenant of love with her and, and the, the, the words that we spoke when we got married 41 years ago, and we made that commitment to walk with one another, there have been many times throughout my marriage when I said, how could I do something that would break my wife's heart? You have to think down the road and you think, how could I do something that would grieve her so much? You see, it's love that really is the power to overcome. If you run from temptation, that's good. You need to get yourself out of the situation immediately. You need to remove yourself from places. And we talked about this in uh, last week. Let me just uh, mention it again. Matthew 5, 27. I think it's up there on the screen. When Jesus says, uh, you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, if you've looked at a woman with lust in your heart. And then he goes on to say, he said, it's, the, it's an issue of the heart. You need to be so committed to eliminating sin from your life that you say, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Is Jesus telling you to mutilate your body? No. What he's telling us here is you need to be so desperate to obey God that you will do anything to eliminate the things from your life that cause you to stumble and cause you to sin. Amen. He's saying you need to be obedient to the Lord. And we forget this all again. We talk about the Great Commission. Send people into all the world to preach the gospel. There are five verbs in that, in that scripture. One of them is teaching them to obey everything I have commanded them. We forget about that. That obedience is part of discipleship. People say, but grace, but grace, it's God's grace. God's grace is wonderful, but we also are required to obey. God's grace empowers us to obey. He doesn't give us grace so that we have a license to sin and say, we've got this master card. It's the master of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll just keep sinning and say, oops, forgot about, forgive me about that. Oops, forgive me about that. And you charge it to the card. Instead, he wants to transform our lives. And it's when you begin to really love God that you can start saying no to the things around you that cause you to sin. We need to hate sin and we need to love God. By the way, can I make a, a side comment there? We're never, ever to hate any person. Never. I don't care how evil they are, whatever, because people aren't, we're not supposed to hate them. We're supposed to love them. There are people that are downright evil, but they are captive to sin and they need to be set free. The real enemy is the enemy of our soul, Satan, and our own sinful nature that we need to learn to fight. Does this make sense? So Jesus is saying we need to be passionate about removing temptation and things that cause us from, uh, to sin from our lives. That means being honest with ourselves and saying, you know what, I just can't live life with a large screen iPhone because I, I am uh, tempted to look at pornography. I need to get a dumb phone. Boy, it got quiet in here real fast. Do you know that 13 states in the United States, by the way, and, and, and I'm going to tell you, temptation is not just about sexual sin, but this is a big one. When I hear that 80% of men are caught in the sin of pornography, and now it's over 50% of women. 
Did you know that? You see, I had a problem with pornography when I was a kid. I was eight years old when somebody turned me on to pornography. Imagine what that did to the soul of an eight-year-old child. Back then, it was printed literature. You had to go to a certain part of town. And people that were sexual abusers used that literature with children to groom them. I'm not going to go deeper in telling stories and whatever, but I want to tell you this. Right now, it's so easy. We can just allow our children to be abused by having unfiltered Internet in our home. Can we be honest about this? We need to eliminate things. Now, am I saying become a Luddite? A Luddite is somebody that uh, denies all technology and throws it out of their home. That's not what I'm saying. But let's be smart about it and let's be honest about it. If there are things that are tempting you, if there are things in the way, I don't go to donut shops. You'll notice they're doing the pie auction the week I'm gone. (laughs) And I'm not bitter about it. I was thinking to myself, can they save a pie for a week? No, it's not going to work. Man, man. We all have our temptations. So I'm talking about sexual temptations. Some of us have a temptation to spend. It's material things. Some of us have a temptation to complain. Some of us have a temptation to gossip about other people. You can go to the next slide. I think I've got a list up there. Okay? Alcohol and substance abuse, lying, giving way to fear. Do you know that some people are compulsive liars? They'll say, no, I'm not. (laughs) Some people have a problem with compulsive passivity. I say, you know, I've, I've, I've actually challenged, I've, act, I've had this conversation. I really think you're, what you're struggling with is passivity. They said, but I didn't do anything. I said, exactly. <laughs> okay. Let that one sink in. Just rub it in until it gets under the skin, okay? <laughs> Being critical of others. I mean, they're all different kinds of temptation. Janice told me years ago when she was a young mom and had two kids at home, she said, Pastor keeps talking about sexual temptation. She said, I am so tired. She said, I can't think of that. My temptation right now is not to get mad at my kids and do something that I shouldn't do. She said, sometimes I feel like locking myself in the bathroom and whatever has to happen. And, you know, she's not here. She's watching the kids right now. Your kids are safe. Your kids are safe. Okay. (laughs) But how many moms would say, that's my temptation? Or I'm so isolated, I'm alone. Sometimes we think it's just one particular temptation. There are all sorts of different temptations. And we need to be sure and understanding that we may not have the same temptations, but all of us are going to face temptation. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? It says that he was tempted in every way, but he didn't give in to sin. Part of the reason why he came and took on a human form, part of the reason why he was born in a human body is to share the experience that we have as human beings. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. In other words, all of us are tempted. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more that you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. So let's stop there, and I want you to pay attention to what the Word is saying. Every time you're in a situation where you say, I, I, I just can't resist this, you need to understand you're lying to yourself because God gives you a way to get out of that situation if you'll look for it with him, if you'll call upon him. Now, one of the hardest things is when we get caught in a sin 
And the old timers, when I was uh, a young Christian, used to call it besetting sins. Out of the King, uh, King James, out of Hebrews, it talks about the sins that uh, beset us, okay? Some of us get stuck in a certain pattern of sin, and the hardest thing is they're repetitive sins that we do over and over and over again. This is not in my notes, but I pulled it out. I felt like the Lord said, pull this out. These are the notes out of freedom too. There are four responses to evil. When it comes to temptation, we're supposed to flee. When we are under an evil principality or an evil authority structure, we need to come out from under that. Okay? That's different. When you are under an evil principality, or, and you may say, well, what's that talking about? If you're in a false religion, if you're in a situation where you're being compromised, if you're in a covenant relationship, you need to come out from under that. The third thing is, when there is a demonic spirit involved, you need to rebuke that. Okay? And you need to resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. The fourth thing is, we need to cut off curses and generational sin. The Bible, in several different places, talks about how we need to actually put off the old and put on the new. And this is the principle that I want to share with us today that I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to hear. We need to cut off the old things and put on the new. In Ephesians 4, he talks about it like clothing. He said we need to put off the old clothing and we need to be clothed in Christ. We need to, be, we need to put on the new. And in, in Romans chapter 12, it says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There needs to be a transformation in our mind. That involves your will and your ability to do that. By the way, if you feed your temptations, you, you will be overcome. This is where we lie to ourselves. If we feed our temptations, we'll be overcome. There are a lot of uh, researchers out there. This is um, being honest about temptation. Go to the next slide there. Uh, there we go, that one. Let me read this to you. And I'm just going to close in a few minutes because I feel like the Lord want me, wants me to just hone in on this point. What we feed our soul and mind will make a difference on whether we will be an overcomer or constantly falling to temptation. What are you feeding your soul? Have you put off the old? Have you been willing to obey the Lord? If you have a problem with gambling, are you hanging out in casinos? If you have problems with substance abuse or alcohol, are you hanging out near bars? Can we be honest with ourselves? I mean, there are some people I know that have never had a problem with alcohol that can go into a bar and lead people to Christ. I had one friend that went in an open mic night in a bar in Kent, and he ended up preaching the gospel. But the thing is, Mike never drank. He never, it wasn't an unsafe place for him. The Holy Spirit told him to go in. It was open mic night, and he went in, and it was amazing, yeah. And he said, I want to tell you about this guy, man. He had a rigged trial, and he had everybody all upset. It was all he was talking about, Jesus, but he didn't mention Jesus till the end. And the whole place went quiet. And he says, if you want to talk to me, come on out. People followed him out, and he prayed with them to receive Christ. But you better know that you're going on to that territory in the Holy Spirit. If you have a problem as a former alcoholic, should you be going into the bar? No. Can we be honest about it? So listen to this. Now I'm going to come right into your living room, so hang on. Researchers studied 1,017 adolescents aged 12 to 14 over a period of two years. 
During that time, the teenagers were exposed to 264 items, movies, TV shows, music, and magazines, which were analyzed for their sexual content. In general, the survey found that teens exposed to higher levels of sexual media participated in a higher level of sexual activity. For example, white teens exposed to a high amount of sexual media were 2.2 times more likely to have had intercourse between the ages of 14 and 16 than other teens with less exposure. Researchers evaluating the study believe that one explanation for the increase in sexual activity is the entertainment's industry role as a peer. How many of you know about Hollywood's moral standard? Do you think they have your good in mind? In an age where parents rarely talk to their children about sex, the media becomes an educator teaching that sex is fun, that there are no risks. In a summary of their results, researchers suggested that teenagers exposed to a large amount of sexual media may begin to adopt the media's social norms as their own. Some, especially those who have fewer alternative sources of sexual norms, such as parents or friends, may, be, uh, may use the media as a kind of super peer that encourages them to be sexually active. And there are other studies here if, if you go, and I've, I've got them here. Uh, the next one, teens watching sexually charged television are twice as likely to get pregnant and uh, on and on. The point is, you're going to become what you eat. I tease you about donuts all the time, okay? And I do. You know I love donuts. I love sweets. And I'm trying to keep my weight down, and I'm trying to eat healthy food. So I know that if I go sit in a donut shop, my chances of eating a donut are going to go up (laughs) 2.2 times, okay? At least, yeah, probably more. Come on. Greg, you're hurting me, man. (laughs) Our children are being set up for failure. And as parents, those of us that are parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, we need to be aware that we're going to answer for God for what we allow in our homes. One of the things that we teach in the Freedom 2 class is how to cleanse your house and how to defend the gates of your home from spiritual attack. And what I do is I see some people trying to battle the enemy and they're rebuking the enemy, but every window and door in their house is open and the enemy's just coming in and taking over. And I really feel like the Lord is speaking to me and he said one of the reasons why the church is not seeing the, rev- the full revival that I want it to have is because so many har- people's hearts are compromised and they're not willing to say no to sinful things and say yes to me. And until we understand that our decisions break the heart of God, when I realize that wherever I go in my life, the Holy Spirit lives in me. I make him a partner to anything that I do. It changes my perspective on how I speak, on how I live, on the decisions that I make, on whether I'm faithful to my wife or not, on how I do business with people. Money is a big temptation. You know where a lot of people have failed over the years, people that I love over their life in business because they fudge their books, because they're dishonest about economic things. That's a temptation too. And I've seen some wonderful men and women of God taken out because they did not do business God's way, they did it their own way. I could go on and on with the different things and the ways of God, but do you hear what I'm saying? And this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, unless you're willing to take off the old and put on the new, unless you're so desperate to get rid of the sin in your life that besets you. Let me close with the one scripture I 
referenced it, but I want to read it out of Hebrews chapter 12, and then I'm going to pray. I told somebody today this might be my last message on temptation for a while, but I might have more to say down the road. Hebrews 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Do you notice here? We don't just take away those things that cause us to stumble, but we also fix our eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When it says there, let us throw off everything that hinders, I don't believe that's talking about sinful behavior. Those are good things that get in the way of God. Janice and I are getting ready to sell our home. We've loved our place. We've lived there almost 19 years. It's been a wonderful place. People come in and they say, man, we really sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's a really unique property. We've done so many wonderful things there. And in the last couple of weeks, the Lord said, you have a soul tied to your property. You need to break it. You've allowed something that I gave to you that was good and you need to let go because in the next season of your life, you need to let go of everything so that I can bring you where I want you to be and do what you, I want you to do. So, you know, sometimes you look at your pastor and you go, well, he's a holy guy. I have my struggles too. And Janice and I are praying through this. And Greg, thank you for being obedient. I know you had a word for Janice and that started her on a, p- a prayer path to say, Lord, are there things that are holding on to my heart that I need to let go of? Is our property, is property ownership evil? No. But there are things in our life that will hinder us if we put them in the wrong place. Then he goes on to say, not only the things that hinder us, but the sin that so easily entangles. All of us have sins that so easily entangle. For one of us, it might be this sin to go into a rage and get angry, blow up on people. For others, it might be sexuality. All of us have different struggles. And that's why we need to be patient and loving with one another. James says that we need to confess our sins one to another and pray one for another that we may be healed. Can we just take a moment and bow our heads before the Lord? I feel like the Lord, the word he's giving me is surrender. He's calling us to a moment of surrender. Is there anything in your life that hinders? Is there a sin that so easily entangles? And the Lord is saying to many of us here today, are you desperate enough to love me that you're willing to lay everything down? And you need to know when you say this, you can't do it in your own strength. What you're saying is, it's help, God. I remember uh, years ago, uh, and I don't want to embarrass you, Linda. I love Linda Paulus, and I love praying with her when she's in the team. But she prayed a prayer one day that I'll never forget. She said, help! And the, and the presence of God was just manifested in that moment because it was from the heart. And right now, can we just say that to the Lord? Help! Lord, we need your help. Father, the world is so desperately seductive whether it's media that's all around us things on the internet 
opportunities, just lies of the enemy. And you're calling us to live a life led by your Holy Spirit, full of joy, full of peace, full of grace. And sometimes, Lord, we'd rather have the icing on the cake. We'd rather have the things that are more of the world. Would you help us, God? We need your help. We're not going to pretend, Lord, that we're without struggles because every one of us has our struggles. I just want to ask right now, I just want to lead us in a prayer. How many of you would stand to your feet and say right now, I just need to say, Lord, I need your help. In an area of my life, I need your help to overcome temptation. The Lord is telling me there are a number of people here that your problem is a critical spirit. You don't say anything outwardly. It's all in your mind. But it's a constant tearing down of yourself and it's a constant tearing down of other people. And the Lord is saying you're being tempted by the enemy. You don't even see it as temptation. You see it as part of your character. You need to renounce that because God wants you to leave that behind. Every sin that so easily entangles, it's time to put it away and embrace the Lord instead. He hasn't created us to be the judge. He's the judge. Oh, God. Can you just pray a prayer of surrender with me? If you feel this from your heart, I'm I'm just going to pray a prayer. And you can repeat after me. But I want you to pray a prayer where we're saying, Lord, we're just surrendering ourselves to you. And whatever your particular temptation is, we're not going to say those out loud. But just in your heart, you tell him and say, Lord, I need help in this area. Just make me an overcomer. Heavenly Father, repeat it boldly after me if you want to do it. Heavenly Father, I come in the name of Jesus. I know that the Lord Jesus is Savior and Lord. I want all that you have for me, Jesus. You know the battle of my heart. And I come to you today and ask for help. I'm coming to a place of surrender. Show me the way forward. Show me what I need to lay down. And show me what I need to pick up. Teach me how to be obedient to you. And help me to be an overcomer. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Can we just praise the Lord? We thank you, God. We just give you praise and glory and honor. Lord, without your help, we could not make it. And Lord, we know when there's temptation that you do make a way of escape. You do make a way to come out from under it. But we need to listen to you. We need to reference you. We need to seek you. And we need to put away those things, Lord, that cause us to stumble, that tie us up, God. So Lord, let this be a marker moment in our lives where you're speaking to us, Lord. And for each one of us right now, our minds go to those places where we're struggling. Help us, God, to put away those things that cause us to stumble. And help us to have a love for you that's greater than we've ever had before. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.